On this week's full-time roundup, Premier League gets tighter at the top. Bundesliga seems to be wrapped up. Real Madrid give Barcelona an outside chance, and Inter Milan look to have secured the Scudetta. Plus, Champions League is back, and we give you some extra storylines that are coming across the world. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest edition of the full-time roundup. Matt Gesslin here, as always, joined by my good friend, Daniel Brackett. Daniel, a little later on a, on a Monday recording for those that are listening. Apologies for the delay. Daniel and I are looking at some new stuff to add to the show. We have a, a betting show that goes on Sunday night as well, so feel free to check that out on YouTube. Daniel is hosting that each week. He's doing a Thursday and a Sunday episode for, for that to be determined on the actual schedule, but um, it's also President's Day here in the U.S., so we had a a day off, and so we took a little bit of extra time to get started. But welcome in to end listeners. Uh, thank you for for bearing with us as we're a little late for you guys today. Who's your uh, favorite president? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I'll, I mean, George Washington. Damn it, that's what I was gonna take. The OG, the first. Uh, I'll probably go honest Abe here. Um, good choice too. Abraham Always Lincoln, a good, choice. Good, good character. Unfortunate that he was he was assassinated, but um, you know he he was kind of the man, and his his upbringing actually is super interesting. Um, so I'd take a look at that if you are an American listener. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. We have a lot to talk about, and I'm gonna hate this, but we're gonna start with City drawing Chelsea. I kind of prefaced it on the on the betting show. I it was a foregone conclusion for me that City was going to win this game, and I genuinely couldn't believe what was unveiled for the match. But Chelsea are officially back. You're officially back, and go ahead and break down how Pochettino has Pep's number now for two games in a row. Well, again, would not say they're back. That's Daniel's You're, you're word, definitely back. Mine. They're you're definitely, definitely not my words, so let's not put words into my mouth here, okay? So Daniel's saying that Chelsea's back. They obviously looked very good. Uh, they, you know, they they play City very well. Of course, a 4-4 draw earlier in the season and now taking more points off of City at the Etihad, which is a big result. Uh, the, the team looks like they want to compete against the big sides. They've had that other than the Liverpool game uh, when they just got thrashed. Uh, they, they've played well against the top six, and I think that's where my frustration has been, and I've, I've articulated this many times on the show, is just the lack of consistency with the squad. You know, they, they play a real stinker of a game against Wolves, and then they play a really bad first half against Crystal Palace. They, they come back out in the second half and look really good in that game. And then, of course, they put 90 minutes together defensively um, against City here, and, and they do, you know, make some chances and, and have some chances. Of course, Ederson saves the day, honestly, with that save on Raheem Sterling at 1-0 to, to really give City an opportunity to go down the field and score the, the equalizer, which they do get. And then ultimately, you feel like they're going to win the match, given that there was still so much time uh, and the way that they were kind of, you know, putting City or City was putting us under under siege pretty much the whole second half. So again, this is a good, another good opportunity and representation of what Poach is building. Um, the, the players are starting to kind of, you know, 
find it in the back. Levi Coel in the middle of the defense there is starting to look really well, especially on that left-hand side with the Sassy on the right-hand side. You wonder if that's kind of the new um, structure in the back. I, I personally would like to see that. Of course, Levi Coel was very uh, highly sought after, especially you know across Europe. Liverpool were part of trying to steal him as well, and, and he chose Chelsea. Uh, ben Showell looked good on the left-hand side, and then Malagusto is, is starting to kind of look like he's going to take that right back position under his own of course reese james when he comes back from injury uh given if that he ever he does does you know again to your point if he does which you're hoping he, but there's real concern there but gusto is looking really good he's 20 years old um he's, he's starting to flash there's some opportunities for him to to really develop and grow into that position but it's not it's not a set deal right these we're still looking at a young squad that has to kind of define itself and develop into who they're going to be. And so I, am not saying they're back. I, I think this was a good performance. Again, if they can build off of this, we'll see, but more so from my perspective, Daniel, this is, this falls on city. Um, this game kind of epitomizes just who they are this season. And uh, you, you've given me a little bit of a hard time um, about my prediction of how they're going to win the league easily. And, and it felt that way. It does still feel that way, but this is not the traditional city of, of old, of the way that they've kind of just gone on big runs. Uh, you know, they, they're defensively not as strong this year as they were last year. They continually give up chances on the counter. They've given up a goal in every game almost. It feels like they've only had two clean sheets in their last 14 Premier League games, so that's a little bit concerning and feels like a potential Achilles heel for City in this title run. Now, of course, you're looking at this, and they didn't drop – they didn't lose, right? So – they still have the game in hand on Tuesday that they're playing Brentford uh, tomorrow as we're recording this. So there's still a lot to play for here, but this does not feel like the traditional Manchester city. That's just going to put their neck, you know, their foot on their, on the opponent's neck and, and kind of run away with it. No. And piggybacking off that number one, Holland missed probably four chances. I wouldn't say sitters, but one or for two him, they're pretty close to sitters. You know, but you'd you'd expect him to to put the ball in the back of the net at least one of those times. So he just had another off day. Hasn't been amazing as of late. So we'll see if he can get back on track against Brentford, which Harrison on on the betting show said I think he's going to go uh, wild. But there's another out of context football tweeted this out, and this kind of has to do with you predicting the double digit lead. Um, City against the, the top four or five teams. Um, well, this is actually a meme on Manchester United, but still. 1-1 draw with Chelsea. 3-3 draw with Spurs. 1-1 draw with Liverpool. Arsenal beat them 1-0. And then, obviously, City beat Manchester United 3-0. That was the point of the whole joke. But they still have not fared well against top five opponents, and that's usually their bread and butter. Like They always kill the lesser teams, but they they get these big leads from just being unstoppable against the top five, and they haven't been. And so this March 10th kickoff with Liverpool is going to be a really interesting test to see who can get the upper hand or are they going to share points as, you know, they do have a game in hand. They are, I believe, what, four points behind as of right now. Um, so it's – and then Arsenal are hot as well. So I think they've entered the chat – which we were kind of nonchalant about, but I think they legitimately have in, uh, entered the chat for testing for a, a, you know, a Premier League trophy here. 
Yeah, it's a good problem to have, right? Especially as a, as a neutral, you're not a neutral, but myself with Chelsea really not having much to play for the rest of this season. So watching this this title race unfold, you'd love to have a three-team race all the way to the finish. And you mentioned that March 10th game, it's going to be a heck of a game. And, and honestly, to my, my opinion, it, it kind of is the title decider a little bit. You mentioned that both of these teams are, are primar primarily City dismantles the bottom half of the table, you know, pretty regularly. I still think, and, and I still feel that's going to happen this year, although you never know there's, you know, we saw tough opponents, Luton and, and Manchester United, which we'll get to here and, uh, and, and Liverpool could do similar. Although some of these injuries that are starting to add up is pretty, pretty concerning. Um, but that's those games, like you said, those big games against the top six. And, and again, if city is going to draw uh, and not lose, the games, they're still gaining points off those top four opponents. And so you, you you do wonder and you do get a little concerned about the consistency of an arsenal, you know, against they've lost to Bournemouth, I believe, earlier in the in the season. Um, they've they've dropped points elsewhere against some of these bottom half table teams. And so you just wonder are those things going to keep happening to teams like Arsenal and, and Liverpool? And then you do look at and we've talked about this with with the Bundesliga, right? When historically Bayern Munich have played a Borussia Dortmund, or in this case, a Bayer Leverkusen, they would get the point or they would get the win. Um, and then they would go and dismantle the bottom teams. And we saw those other teams would lose or drop points to the, to the lesser teams in the league. So, you know, that's kind of where we are too. It's, it's, it's yes, it's an interesting stat that city have, have drawn or, or lost points to the top six, but honestly, that's not a bad place to be. If you're going to be consistently, you know, 10 out of 10 uh, of the, you know, the bottom table teams where some of these other guys are going to drop points more, more likely than not. Yeah, it's not. I also think the treble winning the treble last year, it's really hard to replicate that year in and year out. I think, I mean, Pep was talking on men and blazers about how he goes about it to refresh the squad, keep everyone bought in, but that's especially for winning so much in those, what, seven to eight years he's been there. It, it is very hard to, to keep the boys going and to maintain that form. And, you know, there, there's like a, a level of play that they, they've played at for so long. It's just impossible to keep that up for, you know, 10 years. So there's going to be drops in forms here and there. Maybe we're seeing it a little bit this year, but then they're, they're probably going to go and win the champions league and, and win the premier league. And we're going to look like idiots talking about it, but well, I won't be because I said they will. So it's fine if you do, but I, I you know, I, to your point four four in a row has never been done before in the league. So it's still, you know, the bar is very, very high for what we're talking about here and the standard four points behind. Yeah. Standard. And, and, you know, where, where city have been and they're still four points back and, uh, with a game in hand that they play tomorrow, like I said. So still a lot to go. Um, but again, you know, both you, Liverpool, and, and Arsenal looked fantastic. Of course, a little bit of both on defensively who the opponents were, I think. So would love to get your thoughts more on the impact of the injuries that have happened in this in this game versus Brentford. Of course, you guys winning four to one, extend that lead at the top of the table. But you know, Diego Jota goes down, looks like a really, you know, not a great injury that's going to probably have him out for a while. I haven't seen any results yet from the tests. And then, you know, Curtis Jones picks up a knock and, uh, and, and Darwin Nunez comes out too with a little bit of unknown injury there. Haven't really heard much about that one. Of course, on the flip side, you add a Mohamed Salah back to the lineup off the bench. So just kind of where do you sit now um, after this game? I don't want to take too much stock in the game itself because Brentford was pretty abysmal at the back and, and you guys made it look relatively easy. Yeah, apparently for Jota, it's not worst case scenario, so it's probably not an MCL or ACL. I think it was just the impact 
of that injury. So we'll see how long that knee takes to heal. Um, there's not really a timetable yet because I think there's probably a lot of swelling if I had to guess. So, um, but obviously Curtis Jones has been one of the best players on the pinch on the pitch, excuse me, um, as of the last two months. So missing him is is really less than ideal, especially with Dominic Schulbersly out as well. And then Darwin Nunez also exited the game. So not really not really sure what's going on in the Liverpool camp right now, but having Mo Salah come off the bench and drop an absolute masterclass display definitely helps. Um, it also helps that Cody Gakpo came on and got a goal and assist as well. And Diaz maintains his good form. All four attackers that played contribute to a goal one way or another. So that's a really good sign for at least we have the depth to, you know, keep competing and be lethal attacking wise. But at some point, these injuries are going to mount up and it's, it's going to kill us. Trent Alexander-Arnold will miss the final against Chelsea on Sunday. Um, but we play Luton next, which I don't want to spoil the, the, the predictions, um, but it'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But with Klopp's system, it's not like an individualistic system. It's a team system. So it's, you've seen a lot of plug and play this year. And I think we're just going to continue to do that and keep, keep rolling, rolling with the games. So obviously a good win Brentford were, were rather poor um, and we have to play Luton and then we play you guys on Sunday. So a lot of games the next seven days for us. Yeah. And Luton, obviously not an easy out. We just saw them uh, take Manchester United really kind of down to the wire. Want to get to that game here in a second. Briefly want to touch on Arsenal. Um, absolutely dismantling Burnley and, and Burnley just continue to look like a team that is going to be, you know, obviously Sheffield is, is sitting at the bottom and, and rightfully so, but Burnley is not too far behind them in the way that they played and, and just Arsenal continue to run rampant. Essentially, they've had, I think it's 22 goals in the last four games or three games, if I remember correctly, the stat I heard or something like that. So, you know, they're putting up five and six, six spots uh, the last couple of weeks. And you just wonder kind of if, if this is a, a good run of form for them or the teams that they're playing just happen to be, you know, in that state. And, and really the matchup that will, will take, take uh, shape here for them again is going to be as we touched on against Man Manchester city um, and against Liverpool as well. So you just kind of wonder, although you guys uh, finished your, your legs with them. So just against Manchester city. So um, yeah, I mean, it, but Bakayo Saka gets two goals, you know, Ma Martin Odegaard looked great. Um, Trossard gets one as well. And, and so there's a, a lot of opportunity here for Arsenal, as you mentioned, you know, currently sitting in second place. And, and we'll see what happens as far as um, if they can continue to maintain that run going forward. They seem a little bit healthier now than some of these other two teams ahead of them as well. So where will Arsenal fit into this race? It's going to be interesting. But again, this was a pretty easy week for them. We'll, we'll know more about this Arsenal side as they go forward. But you mentioned you guys playing Luton. Uh, in, in next, Daniel, and and really this matchup against Manchester United, and we've touched on Manchester United the last couple of weeks, and, and obviously there was a lot of discussion early on about is Eric Ten Hag the right guy for this? Is is this team progressing? It, where will Manchester United fall? Of course, the uh, Ineos ownership change, and, and that's been completed. The twenty five percent for for Radcliffe is, is official, and, and you're starting to see since he took over. Um, I think that's six wins in a row in all competitions for Manchester United now, currently up to sixth place. Um, you know, Rem, Rasmus Hoyland is is scoring in bunches. I think he has eight goals in eight games uh, with the brace uh, yesterday. So 
where do we feel now at, at on Manchester United? And is Eric Ten Hag kind of change your thoughts on is he the man to to kind of lead this team? Of course, only five points away from top four now. I, I think it's a little bit of an outside shot, but you never know the way that they've been playing. But have have Manchester United kind of turned turned it around for you at this point in time? Paul Scholes actually tweeted out on a story on Instagram. Um, United might be the only team to win five in a row and win like a 5 no game and still get battered, which is a very interesting comment from an ex-Manchester United legend. Um, I This game, it was a fun one, no doubt. Um, I'm just not – first of all, I don't understand how Casemiro was not sent off. He had a yellow card. Clearly is a mile late to a challenge. Completely takes out the guy with a slide tackle. I don't know what the referee was thinking. That's just a clear sending off. And Maguire got booked as well. And so Ben Hogg, after getting completely bailed out by the referee, does the smart thing and hooks them at halftime to not even, you know, make it even questionable. If Because Casimir has gotten sent off, like, what, three times already this year? So yeah, right. I think about three, close to three times, yeah. They cannot afford to miss him. But I thought Luton played really well. Um it was kind of like a counterattacking game where they would just have periods and then the other team would just counterattack with the space available. Also, I thought the second half was was better for United. They they just played with their feud though a lot. And they had like three or four really good opportunities in the second half and just couldn't put the game away. And you need that, you need that cutting edge. But when you have a striker like Razzie H, as my friend says, calls him Razzie, um, within such good form, six six uh, games straight with a goal, which I don't think he's the youngest player to do that in the Premier League for that kind of statistic. So he's obviously in frightening form, but his goals were were rather easy. I mean, it was a shot, and he just somehow directed it. I don't even think he knew anything about it and just hit his chest and went to the back post. When you're in form like that, things like that just happen. And then Garnacho obviously is playing great. Rashford looks back to his old self in a way. So I I think the midfield – continues to be a problem defensively. They're still eh, shaky a little bit at best. Pinhog is yet to find out his best back line. And then Onana coming back to form with no howlers definitely helps that. He actually is almost leading the clean sheet race, which if you told me to guess that, I'd he'd be one of my last guests. Uh, but I just, I'm just really impressed with Luton and how they set up and thought United were a, luck, a little lucky with the three points. But they keep getting outplayed and winning. So there is a small chance that they catch up with Spurs, especially as Spurs lost this weekend. Yeah, and you mentioned defensively, they, there's still a little bit of concern. Of course, Harry Maguire came off injured at halftime. Luke Shaw didn't even make it to halftime uh, with a sub that you thought would hopefully he could make it a little longer, and, and Lindelof had to come in. Of course, Lissandra Martinez is going to be out to at least March, so you're you're still not really sure you know, who Eric Ten Hag is going to play at the back. Um, they, to be honest, I, I was surprised as well that they got the result here. We've been saying that's all season long. It seems like that they don't play that great. They get a result. Either Scott McTominay comes in and saves the day or, or somehow they find a way. Um, this, this Luton team, unfortunately for them, just didn't show up the first 10 minutes and, and they were down 2-0, right? And then otherwise, I thought Luton were the better team for the rest of the game. You mentioned the way that they're set up. They want to play forward aggressive. You know, they know who they are. They're, they're, they're direct. They're going forward. They have good, you know, good skill on the wings. Um, and, and then they have, you know, some talent with, with Jordan Morris or not Jordan. Uh, uh, is it Jordan Morris or Connor Moore? It's, 
it's it's yeah something like that in the in the in the middle. And uh, Adebayo, Morris, and Adebayo is good, and uh, and of course Ross Barkley has been playing out of his mind since coming back to the Premier League. So they have some talent, and they they make it tough for people. Is is kind of where I was getting at, um, and 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 they've been really impressive. And honestly, you know, even if if Everton didn't have the points deduction, I I still think Luton would be fighting for that 17th, you know, out of relegation spot, whether with Crystal Palace or Forest, of course, they're four points behind both of those teams. So I, I still think that Luton has a chance to stay up this season. Uh, we'll find out today uh, as Everton play Crystal Palace. So that's a big matchup between those two teams this afternoon. But I still think Luton stay up, uh, and I would like to see them stay up if if, if possible. It's Carlton Morris. By Carlton way. Morris. There we go. Thank to. you. And so... I don't know if you'll agree with this, but Luton play like an NBA style offense in the Premier League. Like they play bully ball, they they get it out wide and then feed down low because they have Carlton Morris, who's a six one, but he's a big stocky guy. And then they have um, I think his name is Adebayo um, as well, who's like a gigantic attacker as well. So they're just lethal in the air. And then they have like a Towson Ross Barkley, and then the wing backs that cross it in. I like that. It's like an, a relic, like an old ancient relic of Premier League's style. They also, that first goal was just an atrocious goal to give away. I mean, it was just an easy, like United didn't score a single chance from like an actual chance. They scored two like fairly lucky goals. So wanted to mention that real quick. But are you are you surprised about this Wolves-Spurs game and, and Spurs dropping points? Is that a surprise? Not really, because similar to how Luton can be difficult to play against, Wolves are always kind of tricky. Um, usually it's at home more so. Obviously, just to kind of put a finer point on Luton, it was at home at Kenilworth Road, which is a, a huge advantage for them, no doubt. If you go to Kenilworth, it's a tough place to play. And also the way that they're playing, the fans get behind them there at home, um, just to, to wrap up that section. But yeah, I, I think it's a tough Tough team every time you play them. Uh, Wolves came to Chelsea. They they smashed us. Um, they they go to Spurs. They get this one. But then they're a very confusing team, Daniel. I, I texted you guys over the weekend. They'll they'll win big games against Spurs and Chelsea relative how you want to define big for Chelsea, and then they'll go and lose to Brentford. And and you just wonder kind of that's just Wolves though who they are. You know they cannot find consistency. We've talked about how they can't find a striker in the past couple of seasons, but. To, to me, Ange, Ange Postacoglu and his team are always going to have an opportunity to kind of give up goals and give up chances. Um, they, they, that's the way that he wants to play. They play aggressive. They play, you know, uh, front foot, high, high press, and, and Wolves want to play that counterattacking style. So this seemed like a setup for exactly what happened in this matchup. And, of course, you know, it, it did happen. And, and a big drop points for, for Tottenham who are still sitting in fifth place, two points behind Villa, and now have Manchester United right behind them. So uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic here. But I wasn't too surprised um, just because on any given day, Wolves can really give anyone a, a, a good match. Yeah, the the XG was around the same. Um, Tottenham shared more possession, kind of like you said. Based My favorite style. stat. My favorite stat, which yeah, we're, we're going to get to in a minute because there's something that I need to talk about XG on. But, but Tottenham are at home. And so you would expect at least a draw. Um, Sun didn't really play a great game. So they, they I mean, when, when Kulisevsky scored in the 46th minute, 
I was like, okay, this is where Spurs kind of turn around. They got that lifeline. So I was, I was really surprised, but I mean, Jao Gomes out of everyone to score a brace was probably one of the last people I'd predict the score. So I thought, but Pedro Neto is just in frightening form right now. He's only 23 years old, which is kind of absurd. I didn't realize he was that young. He's got a market value of 41 million, two goals, nine assists, and he was injured for a while. That's only in 16 games. So he is the the fulcrum of this Wolves team. So if he goes and drops a masterclass like he's been doing recently, Wolves are going to be a sneaky tough team away from home as well because they're weird at the Molyneux. The Molyneux is where you kind of back them to get a result, but not usually traveling. And we're, we're both kind of high on Wolves and what Gary O'Neill is doing over there. So wanted to give them their flowers as well as this was not more of Spurs dropping points, but Wolves just kind of about playing Spurs. Yeah, and of course, they're now sitting on 35 points with Chelsea uh, Chelsea ahead of them on goal differential, so 10th and 11th place between those two, only one point behind West Ham, who who they, awful. they struggled awful again this weekend, uh, 36 points in ninth, and of course, Newcastle, uh, who do draw against Bournemouth, sit at 37 points, um, so you're looking at kind of a, a nice little gap right there, of course, Brighton who absolutely dismantled Sheffield, uh, man down. We'll talk about this red card here in a second, but just to put a finer point on where this table sits, you know, Brighton sits seventh at 38 points. Like I said, Newcastle, 37 points, uh, West Ham at 36, and then Brighton, or excuse me, Chelsea Wolves sitting there at 35. So really, you know, that's that seventh position. Um, if you want to classify that as a European position with, you know, Europa, conference league um, is up for grabs um, so there's a little bit of a battle there to kind of keep an eye out for but really uh, you know you're, you're just wondering how much longer Eddie Howe's team can and West Ham can hang on there uh, especially given recent form but Daniel I want to get into as we move in, and look away from Premier League the last thing I want to talk about though is this this red card um, from Nathan Holgate in, in the in the Brighton game honestly one of the worst tackles I've seen in a very long time and, and if Matoma genuinely gets hurt in this instance i don't think you see nathan holgate for a very long time in this maybe potentially the rest of the season um, not necessarily from the league's perspective but if you're a manager like chris wilder this is a must win game and you go in in the 13th minute there's not really much going on at this point and you're not in a place that's going to really hurt you and he makes a tackle that is just so you know, where where does in your brain come up and think that this is a, a, an acceptable tackle? So again, if I would have been, if he would have been hurt, Chris Wilder probably sits him down. I don't know if there's any team that would take a player like this that's willing to or understands that this is a quote unquote acceptable type of challenge. Um, and and you put your team on the back foot uh, in a place that they were already struggling against a really strong Brighton, and you need points if you're Sheffield. If I wanted to say playing against you and I wanted to end your career, that's exactly the challenge I would I would go for, um, number one. Number two, I, I wasn't able to see the challenge in, in real time. Um, did you did you get to see it in real time? Well, I did. did the, it, was, it was... How did the Brighton players react? I mean, they were pretty furious, as you can imagine, but luckily the ref... And the ref didn't see it at first, so he awarded a yellow card first. He was kind of blocked from it. And then, of course, the, the Brighton players were, you know, incredulous, and and he saw it, and and VAR, it was clear. I mean, it it was a clear red red card. I mean, maybe one of the clearest, and I, I've seen in watching games, you know, other than like a very 
forceful, you know, David Beckham stepping on, you know, Simone, yeah. like things like that. Like in the in the course of play, this is probably one of the easiest red cards I've ever seen. Yeah, if you like put it in black and white and then played it and acted like it was a 90s game, this is like a 90s Premier League style tackle. Um disgusting obviously he was like surprised he got sent off which is just i guess that's, you... the, that's my point that's where i was saying it's like how do you think that that was an acceptable challenge and if, if if i'm a manager and and a player like that comes to me after the game or you know even a, a player of you know a teammate and you're trying to defend a tackle like that what are you doing like how, how do you think that that's an acceptable tackle or challenge like that like you said you could end his career if, if he genuinely hits him in the right spot or a little bit more force and um luckily luckily matoma and luckily for brighton he gets up and you know delivers a good performance the rest of the way kind of to to put a finer point on that but yeah it's a really scary scene credit credit to brighton players because if i saw that and I, that was my teammate it would be on site no doubt um but i just yeah it's how many how many uh, games do you think he'll get banned? I think they could up it to ten, for it, I would say five minimum. Probably five, just because Matoma didn't get hurt um, or continued in the game. Yeah, I would. I, again, I'm I'm not trying to take away someone's career or, or player. You know, I wanted to see the guy play, but ten would have been if if Matoma's hurt. Ten for me would have been easy. I, I can easily see five though in this instance. Yeah, yeah, that's disgusting, and you know. You gotta you gotta set a precedent with challenges like that. You can't you can't just Absolutely. go flying into stuff like that. But to to move on to the Bundesliga, talk about another, ugly. Yeah, talk about ugly. Another another crazy week, and we'll just go ahead and get right into it. Bayern lose to Bochum. It gets worse. Didn't think I could say that, but it gets worse for the Bavarian team. Upa Makano with two reds and seven no. Two reds in what four days? Which that's got to be that's got to be a record. Um, the first one was just such a dumb foul. Like the, the it wasn't going anywhere. He just basically body checks a guy like a hockey style out of out, out off the pitch, and then just leads with his elbow um, for to, to give up the penalty. So he's just having a, a horror horror week. So we'll see, you know, he's, he's going to have a lot of time to think about it now. Now he'll have to sit out in the champions league and the Bundesliga. And then Kane was just not Harry Kane. I mean, he had a really good opportunity. Musiala was fantastic. Played this outside the foot Travella ball. He is Muller to his right side for a tap and, and goes for glory and then just blows it over the net. So Byron couldn't finish, but I mean, I think Bokum outplayed him and you could see that, I don't think the squad morale has ever been at an all-time low now. In three games lost, first time since May 2015 for Bayern. Yeah, where do you start with this one? Uh, of course, you know everyone keeps telling me, and you've talked, we and I have talked about it. I have other friends that have been telling me, "Oh, it's got to be time for Tuchel to go." You know, we'll see. Again, I, I don't disagree with any of those takes. I just don't know who you bring in. You mentioned, and we've talked about it. I think they're starting to hear some rumblings about Hansi Flick, although internally on the board he's not the most favorite of of managers in recent times but you mentioned you know a couple of things you know harry kane at one nil on that chance to make it two nil you felt like that was kind of the game the game right and, and the, especially given the form that byron munich have been in of late and, and he misses that you kind of felt it at home right you felt it watching it that okay that's supposed to go in 
you know, this game should be wrapped, dust and du- done and dusted, and it doesn't go in. And if we're thinking about that at home, imagine how they're feeling about it at, you know, on on the field, right? This is now becoming a thing for Bayern Munich this season, particularly. You mentioned the, the loss to Lazio. They had ample chances in that one as well. You know, this game, they, Thomas Tuchel came out and said, oh, we should have won this game. We had, you know, five or six glorious chances. Our XG was blah, blah, blah. Fuck XG again. Like that, they just didn't, you didn't put it in the net. I don't care what your XG was. You lost. Get over it. Like to say XG was the reason why you didn't win the game. Like you didn't win the game because you didn't score more goals than the other team. That, you know, to put John Madden, uh, you know, you didn't score more points than the other team to win the game, right? Like that's, that's the, the whole that's point. how it of, works. <laughs> Exactly. That's how this works. And so, you know, not only did Kane miss that one, he missed a, a late header that would have tied it um, that, you know, that normally he he puts in the back of the net that you feel like is just kind of in that in that where Bayern Munich are right now. And you mentioned the biggest thing to me that's more concerning than any of this to the, the, the form, the, the way that the team is, you know, performing is the fight, right? You know, Bochum on their day are not going to beat Bayern Munich on talent. A- a- and they just came out and they wanted it more. And you saw that. And and you're seeing that week in, week out with Bayern Munich playing against these teams. And and these teams just want it more than Bayern Munich. And you don't know, you don't, I don't know where that comes from because you have a player like Thomas Mueller who is so animated and so about Bayern Munich, loves this club, has, you know, stresses that. And you see the frustration on his face week in, week out. And you just wonder if there's players like that on this roster, or if he's the only one, you know, Kimmich making a, a poor play in the midfield and kind of quits on it. We've talked about Leroy Sané, you know, at nauseum, I feel like just not playing or, or tracking back. And uh, you just wonder where the fire is for this side. And, and to me, it comes down a little bit, Daniel, to Thomas Tuchel, because when there's, when there is, um, hesitation or uncertainty uh or or just lack of form you know in any in any instance whether you're talking about football or your day-to-day job you look to your manager or your leader to to guide you through those difficult times and, and it just doesn't seem like Thomas Tuchel has the room or has the will with all to kind of get these guys over the hump and and give them a sense of understanding maybe that's partly that they they changed their formation that we talked about with Bayer Leverkusen they they're testing different things they're bringing in players Delit got the start but you know he hasn't been playing for for much much of the season like it just feels a lot of helter skelter, a lot of change, and and partly that's Thomas Tuchel's fault, and it's costing them now eight points behind Bayer Leverkusen in the standings. Yeah, he stinks. He stinks. He'll. He's. I mean, I I just don't see him continuing. There's gonna just be a time where it's enough is enough, and literally anyone can be better than this guy at this rate. Um, I think it will come to that, but Bayern are in a, a sticky sticky situation here um I, I i feel like that hasn't been stated enough i i actually might do a little clip of of that but they're gonna have a massive rebuild this summer and so thomas tuchel or whoever is going to lead byron for the rest of the season needs to end on a good note to set up this rebuild you know alfonso davies probably going to real madrid i mean Kemic i don't think is enjoying his football muller might just call it quits after this year. I don't know if he can do it anymore. So it's it's not looking great for Bayern, which it's been it's been a long time since it's it's been this bad for them. So I'm gonna just enjoy it for a while. I have the time now, but 
I, I think it's to get into the next conversation. I'm thinking this 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 title run is is has run its course, and I think it's Bayer Leverkusen's now to lose instead of Bayern to catch up. Like I think the story is shifting now. It's definitely Bayer Leverkusen's to lose. There's no doubt about that. Eight points is a lot of points, and and really would be a catastrophic you know collapse in some aspects, especially the way that we've seen Bayer Leverkusen be playing counter to what we just mentioned about. Thomas Tuchel changing things and, and really kind of, you know, not really sure of his starting 11. You know exactly what you're getting from Xabi Alonso and his men week in, week out. You know how they're going to set up. You know how they're going to play. And they're they're delivering right now. And so it's such a juxtaposition about what you're seeing on the other side. I will say this, though, Daniel. We, we've seen this before, and I'm not going to hand them the trophy quite yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. You, you still wonder when it clicks, if it clicks for Bayern Munich, if they make a manager change. Can that new manager get that balance? And of course, the talent is still there. So yes, it is Bayer Leverkusen's to lose. Um, but until it's done and dusted in this instance, especially given who's behind them, it's not over yet. But it does feel, it certainly feels on paper and in just the, the environment right now that it's over, but a lot to, a lot left in the German Bundesliga, that's for sure. And talk about a disparity between Tuchel's character and Alonzo's character. I, I don't think you could have more polar opposites as the gaffer. So, But to touch on it, Bayer Leverkusen do keep winning from Pong and Adley with the goals. Uh, they just kind of keep winning. This was a sneaky, tough game against Heidenheim, who's been in wonderful form. They go up 2-0 and give up a late goal to make things somewhat interesting. Florian Verts, as always, just putting another masterclass performance together. They, they were able to rotate some guys, so you saw Patrick Schick and Adley start the game. Um, but they had mostly their starting lineup, and they got Borja Iglesias now off the bench without Boniface, which is a huge get. That was probably one of the most important signings just to have, like, a backup plan if things – because, say, Patrick Schick goes down and Boniface out, that's when you start slipping that eight-point lead. So I thought that was a little genius masterstroke. So, I mean – they're probably my favorite team to watch right now, just how they visually, they're just very easy on the eye. And I just don't see a, an opportunity for really any team to kind of get three points on them at this point. Yeah, it does feel that way. Of course, you know, don't look now as well if you're Bayern Munich, but Stuttgart who continue to win and stay in form, they, they move up and they're only four points behind them now on the table at 46 points. Of course, we touched on it earlier, Daniel. Frankfurt, we thought we're going to kind of maybe potentially give it a little bit of a run for that that little bit of a three through five uh, type of race. That seems to have fallen off as they draw against Freiburg. And so you're looking at now Borussia Dortmund and RB Leipzig. Leipzig get a big big result against Mucha Gladbach this weekend. They're now only one point behind Dortmund. Um, it feels like these are the two teams, granted, again, a lot of football to be played last. Stuttgart are in, in real nice form right now, so that could change. But for that fourth place in the Champions League, Dortmund, who dropped points against Wolfsburg, uh, they're now, you know, they're they're continually to shake our heads as, on this team, and they're only one point ahead of, of Leipzig now for in fourth place. So it, we talked on it earlier about three for – three for two or three for one, are we down for two two for one at this point? Or do you still think that Stuttgart kind of maybe fall off? And this is just going to be a recurring theme, I feel like, each week. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I called for Undav and Garasi to start together. They did. It was great. And they probably would have won more if they didn't get a red card um, in the, the, the first half. They literally hung on fairly easily down a man. So this team is phenomenal. I 
you know, Garassi got injured and then Undov wasn't great, but now they got both of the strikers firing. They, they, they built a competent roster, got a great keeper, got a great uh, winger and full crook. So, um, or full rook, excuse me. Um, so I'm liking, I, I'm liking Stugart more than, more than Dortmund at this point. And I think Stugart would probably beat Byron as well right now. Um, with Dortmund, gosh, I think that they're at a place now where they know that Terzic's not the guy for the future, um, but he's doing good enough to see out the year. I think they'll probably internally promote him to more not like behind the scenes kind of stuff. Which, like we, which, we touched, which, which we've which touched we on before. Yeah. But they were still like a question like him bringing in Bender and Sahin as like the more tactical. I just think there's a lot to be desired. I think this will be a very interesting job. Um, who they decide to pick. And I think a lot of people are going to want to throw their hat in the ring for the Dortmund job. But really, depending on how the PSV tie goes this week, um, we'll really decide if if Terzic, maybe Terzic pulls something out of his butt and they, they go on a Champions League run. But I think Dortmund fans and the Dortmund front office know that Terzic's not the long-term guy and they're going to start working on uh, scheming up a replacement for him in the summer. Yeah, and of course we know that uh, Marco Rosa is probably not going to be the guy for for RB Leipzig as well going forward, or at least in our opinion, we feel pretty pretty strongly about that. So we'll keep an eye on that story. But yeah, this feels like a, a little bit of a two horse race for that fourth playoff or fourth spot in the Champions League from the Bundesliga. So we'll keep an eye on that. But it does feel like I said that Frankfurt continues to drop points where they needed to keep pace, and and Stuttgart, the form that they're in, is starting to get a little bit of dis distance between these two, and it's surprising, uh, just given what we expected. Of course, RB Leipzig was my my choice for for title um, uh, beginning of the season prediction show. So boy, am I wrong on that. But uh, Daniel, it's been a fun race uh, just throughout the the Bundesliga. Of course, Bochum who beat Bayern Munich yesterday, now up to 11th uh, out of that relegation battle. You know, Union Berlin continued to, to march up and, and, you know, they're nine points clear now given the start that they had where they felt like it was sky was falling. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, good football being played across the Bundesliga. Hoddenheim, uh, a tough team who, you know, they gave, they did give, you know, Bayer Leverkusen all they could handle um, in this one. They got a late, you know, goal to make it interesting. And, and, Bayer kind of just held on. Um, you know, that's what you do, though, if you're going to win a title. Sometimes you just have to win those type of games. But, you know, I know we touch on the top uh, of the table, but there's still some really good football being played throughout the Bundesliga. So, you know, just try and keep an eye on as much as we can there, and we'll give you guys a full breakdown as we get closer. But some good teams and good good play going on. Of course, the bottom three you feel like are kind of those bottom three teams. They're, you know, six points from uh, Gladbach in 15th with Clone, Mainz, and Dormstadt. Uh, all at the bottom three. So we'll keep an eye on that. But to switch over to, to La Liga, Daniel, of course, another opportunity here for, for Real Madrid to extend their lead in the in the title race. Uh, Girona played today uh, on Monday. So they'll, we won't have you know an update as far as that for you guys on this show, but we'll keep you posted on Thursday. But it just feels like, you know, we touched on it with uh, Manchester City earlier about these are going to happen, right? They're, you're not going to win in a 38 game season, you're not going to win 36 games, 37 Unless you're games. Buyer. Yeah, but either way, even they drop points, right? And so this this is a game where, you know, there was a lot of you know questioning about um are they focused? Is there a distraction, you know, from for Ancelotti after the game? And again, to his point, this is just the way it is. You know, we're 
we are a very focused team. There's still six points clear. Uh, Girona has to keep pace. And so you just kind of wonder, and of course, there's so many injuries at Real Madrid right now, and, and more of that kind of just happened with, you know, Danny Carvajal getting a red card, so he'll be out. Uh, you know, uh, Chuameni is now, or Kamavinga is suspended after yellow card accumulation. So, you know, Fran Garcia is playing in the back. It's just a t an interesting type of game, and yet they still get a point and still extend that lead in, in the race. So it's, it's just one of those things where, they feel they're comfortable and and a game where Carlo Ancelotti can go back to the locker room and say, Hey guys, look, see, it's not all glory. It's not all roses. We have to still put our head down and we still have to fight here. And I think that having a manager like Carlo Ancelotti in this instance is exactly what this team needs. Yeah, definitely not a crisis. Um, Rio Valicano are a decent side, so I wouldn't, I'd give them credit for sure and how they set up, but no Jude, no, they they had to rest a lot of guys. I I don't know if you saw the Carvajal red card, but for a dude who's as vet, a veteran in the locker room, you can't just throw an elbow back like that and expect Vieira not to catch that. It was uh, the guy basically grabbed him and he just threw his elbow back and just clocked him right in the face. So I'm I'm assuming it's going to be a three to five upwards of five match ban for violent conduct. So we've actually saw saw like three horrific reds uh, this this weekend, and we'll touch on the other one and when we get to Serie A. But especially when you're in an injury crisis, you need your players to keep their head, and that is not what Danny Carvajal did. So he's going to miss out, which could be a big loss considering how injured they are at the back. So that might be an interesting storyline to keep your eye on. On Real Madrid could slip a few few more points just because they're already having a makeshift back line. Carvajal now will miss several games. Tchumiamni, oh god, I can never get that right. Were you think Kavambiga missed out? With Kemavinga will miss out, and Tchumiamni was hurt. Um, so they, just continuing to find people to play at center back right now for it's for this disaster. team is a disaster. <laughs> but uh, I I wouldn't say now with how we are, I wouldn't say the the title is is done and dusted. We're, it's really going to get an answer with Girona Athletic Club later today. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Real Madrid, you can't, no teams are perfect. So I wouldn't blow up this game and, and freak out about it. Yeah. And of course, you know, additionally across the league, and we'll, we'll touch here quickly on the Barcelona game, but you know, otherwise uh, Real Sociedad get a late winner against Mallorca. They, they move up to six and these two teams of course will play each other again uh, in the second leg of Copa del Rey upcoming. So <laughs> a real testy one. If you didn't get a chance to watch this, there was some animosity between both the teams and the managers, and uh, it's going to be a fun second leg. Of course, Atletico Madrid destroyed Las Palmas 5-0. just looked like a training session here and uh, Memphis to Pie gets on the, on the score sheet. Good to see him get back in and score. Uh, Angel Carrera gets two goals as well. So uh, a pretty cakewalk, easy game for Atleti, which was big, especially given they have Champions League coming up. So uh, Diego Simeone was able to rest some players uh, and kind of get you know get them ready for, for a big week ahead. But Daniel, the big one here that I want to touch on before we wrap up is, is Barcelona, of course, who they get a win at Celta Vigo, but boy, did they need to, they, they left it late. Um, and Robert Lewandowski looks to be finding a little bit of form, two goals here in this one, but it's just, you, you just can't seem to wrap your head around Barcelona. Of course, now only eight points back. So it's not a, it's not the end of the race for them. If they can continue to put some pressure, of course, there is still El Clasico, uh, to go. So they could, you know, close the gap there with a big result, 
but it just feels like this Barcelona team is just, uh, again, like we talked about with Borussia Dortmund, you just don't know what you're going to get from Barcelona week in, week out. Yeah, every game's a, a coin flip game. This will be a good one that they grinded out, though. Lewandowski, we were very harsh on him probably two months ago, and I feel like he's returned to form since then. That first goal that he scored was a vintage Lewandowski goal. Lamina Mall cuts inside, plays him, not an easy ball, and with one touch, he takes an outside of the foot on the opposite way the defender's going and then just bangs it back post. That first touch was world-class. It really was world-class. And then he gets lucky. He, he gets a, a Laminia Mall, you know, again, draws a penalty, hint the theme here. He, you know, you're going to mention his name a lot for the rest of the season. And Lewandowski gets bailed out with the keeper jumping off his line early and is able to convert the second penalty for the game winner. And I think it was like the 96th minute. So another, another grinding, a grinding win. It's never going to be easy for Barca, especially with the injuries that they have. And they're just continuing to lean on the youth products that they've developed. And then I don't know. I mean, Celta Viga I thought set up well, I feel a little bit for Rafa Benitez in, in this game and, yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how Barca fare against a better team with Napoli on the, uh, during the midweek game. Yeah, of course, you mentioned the midweek game against Napoli. We'll get to their their struggles right now as well. Um, one other game that's going to happen on Monday, like we said, is a big one. Athletic Club will take on Girona. So Girona needs to bounce back after their performance against Real Madrid, and this could really kind of set the table or, or the tone, no pun intended on the table, could set the tone for the rest of the season for Girona. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that one for you. But you mentioned, Daniel, you know, Napoli in Serie A. Serie A, we just want to put a finer point on the top. Is It feels like it's done and dusted and that this is Inter's title. Of course, they get a big win, uh, which was pretty easy uh, in all honesty. And then Juventus, um, just continue to drop points when they they shouldn't against a team like Hell's Verona. Um, and, and now it's a nine-point gap at the top and an 11-point gap between them and AC Milan, of course. Not only is it that points gap, but there's still that game in hand for Inter. So this at the top of the table, we'll, if it changes, we'll keep you posted. And if any big news comes about, you know, the way that Inter play or injury, et cetera, et cetera. But really, Daniel, I think from my perspective going forward, the real main focus here in, in Syria A is a little bit more, as we've been touching on, those those little battles uh, throughout. You know, Juventus and AAC Milan, still two points gap there. Can that flip and can that change things potentially? But again, fourth through... And now I kind of feel like we need to take Napoli out of that conversation, given the loss this week. Um, I feel like we're looking at between four through eight with Lazio, and it doesn't feel like much just a point, you know, between Lazio and, and Napoli. But Lazio found some form, and Napoli seemed to be going backwards. Um, but again, four through eight is really separated by six points um, for that fourth spot in the Champions League. And Roma, you know, Bologna continues to stay in, in the in the running. Fiorentina starting to slip a little bit, but you're starting to find that that little bit of a pocket between four through seven, four through eight, and it's starting to narrow down a little bit. But it's it's still a great battle. Yeah, let's not count out Napoli yet. I think that they're going to move on from Matarazzo within probably the next four days if they haven't already. So that could help them change their fortunes to still try to grasp at European football in some capacity. Um, just a couple things that I saw. Number one, enter. Uh, with the entry game, we were robbed of an Inzaghi coach showdown. Uh, his brother, Pipo Inzaghi, was actually sacked uh, the game before. 
So they had a new coach and did that matter? Absolutely not as interroll four nil here. Um, you, you mentioned Juventus slipping again. It's just, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see a different Juventus without Allegri at the helm. And then AC Milan had a great chance to, to kind of capitalize on that slip up and they ended up playing their B squad, who was not great. Malik Tal had a horror performance, gave up a – it could have been two pens. It was all in the same act, so he fouled a guy twice in the box. And then um, the lone army uh, of AC Milan haunts them as Maldini had an assist in the Colombo goal for AC Monza, who – this is a derby too. I, didn't, I don't know if you know, but Bertuzzi Loni – Sold AC Milan, and then he goes and buys AC Monza, brings them up from Serie C all the way to Serie A, and then gets their first win ever beating AC Milan. So pretty cool story. Go check them out. I also think that Christian Pulisic got kind of back on the score sheet with a, a beautiful left-footed goal and a great assist to Giroud. So he kind of stepped up. They got they got a red card fairly early and were able to – they went down 2-0 and actually tied it back up until some 90 – 90 minute heroics by by AC Monza. So I gotta credit AC Milan for at least showing showing up after the red card. Um and then you know we were talking about the red card. Jovic completely reacts and just slaps the crap out of basically bitch slaps a guy on the field. So that was not his he did not cover himself in glory, I would say. Um but yeah, no Atalanta rolling right now. Bologna with the big win against Lazio, they're rolling as well. Thiago Mata and that team are just killing it. And so in Roma also win and go into six. So that what you said fourth, the sixth place, completely possible. Cannot tell you who's gonna land in which spot. No, it will, it will be interesting. Of course, Atalanta are rolling, like you said. Keep an eye out for them as well in Europa League, um, which we haven't touched on. You know, for their perspective, we thought that it, it felt like more of a Bayer Leverkusen, um, you know, Le uh, Liverpool type of race. But the way that they're in form right now, you never know if, if depending on the draw. So just keep an eye out for them. Uh, but Daniel, before we go to break, we covered a lot here. Of course, there's still a little bit of business uh, across the rest of the world. PSG beat Nalt, and it's a you know pretty straightforward win for PSG. But you know they they continue to to extend their lead at the top of the table to lose upsets monaco a big surprise there as monaco seemed to be kind of the the second tier uh in league uh but you know never know what that league looks like and has for you in store leon are back uh they, they've been playing very well of late climbing the table of course they're not anywhere near the top half but they are not at the bottom as as they were at the beginning of the season which was honestly very surprising for a team that they've uh, had historically not too far off the top half of the table, about five points if you're looking at it as Marseille keep falling. But again, just given where they were, it's a very nice bounce back. They, um, real quick, they took the Forest approach and signed like as many players as they could find in January. And unlike Forest, it actually worked out. So like all their signings, they they also focus on youth. So these like all these like prospects and youth guys have completely hit the ground running. So they couldn't buy a win for the first for 2023 the calendar year and now they're i mean they beat marseille they beat nice who is at the top of the table this leon leon is officially back I, i'm saying that now it'll be really interesting to see how far they can climb though that's the question like as we go there's you know portuguese league and, and uh don't look now mls starts this weekend so this will start being an update on mls as well but daniel like i said we're gonna take a quick break follow along on twitter or like at subscribe up download so follow along with daniel's content at liverpool cltfc or myself at life of m gaslin but on the other side of the break 
quick predictions, players of the week, and then we will get everything wrapped up into a busy, busy week of football. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Like we said before the break, it's a it's a crazy schedule, Daniel. So usually predictions are for Thursday, but uh, there is some games this week with Champions League and a couple of makeup games. So we're going to give you a bonus little section on predictions here, uh, and then we'll get into our players of the week. Of course, as always, if you're new to the show, Daniel gives me the predictions. He p- picks the games that he wants us to talk about. Uh, potentially some of these games will be on the betting show as well. Uh, just given the timing. And then if you haven't checked that out again, go check that out on YouTube as part of the full-time roundup channel. So you'll be able to catch Daniel and Harrison talking about all things sports betting around soccer. Uh, again, Thursdays or Sundays, depending on when their schedule comes out. And you can always follow on the Twitter handle for the latest on when those will come out at full-time roundup or Daniel will post them on his, on his individual, which is Liverpool CLT FC. Now, Daniel, you are going to lead us off with some of these games. Of course, we've touched on some of them that kick off today. Um, Athletic Club in Girona, a few others. And then, you know, of course, there's some big, big Champions League games. So uh, I will answer as many of them as I can. Uh, so I'll let you take it away. Uh, we're going to start with Athletic Club Girona. Athletic Club at home, big game for the La Liga title race. How do you think this fares? Ooh, uh, I think the Girona story has since kind of fell apart or will fall apart. So give me athletic club two to one in this one. Two to one. Yeah. I like the two to one. I think I'm leaning on goals in that match. It's a trap. I'm going to say two, two tied. I can't pick a, pick a team here. Um, we also have Everton palace today. How do you think that game's going to fare? That's a really interesting one. New manager for Palace. Of course, you didn't see Roy Hodgson got sacked over the weekend. Um, I think Palace have more more here to offer than Everton, and I also think there's a manager bounce. So I'll take Palace. Um, I'll take Palace 2-0, actually. Taking Everton 1-0. I know Eze, I know Elise, and I don't think Oliver Glasner has had time to set up a team, so I don't think the new manager bounce will be in effect in this game. It is at Everton, and they'll be rocking, trying to get out of the relegation zone. So I'm going to say a 1-0 Everton win. Now we do have Champions League. We'll just jump right in. Inter at home versus Atletico Madrid. Who do you have? Boy, this is a tough one. Um, Athletic Club just – or Atletico just destroyed Los Palmas. They've been poor, though, other than that game. They have been poor. 2-2. 2-2 exciting back-and-forth game in the first leg. Interesting. I'm going to go 1-0 Inter win. So a, a very, very cagey match. We got PSV Dortmund as well on Tuesday. Now this is a coin flip match. What do you think? Very much a coin flip match. Of course, PSV dominating the era de Vizzi. We've touched on it earlier in the show about just how inconsistent Dortmund are. Uh, 3-1 PSV. That's a bold bold take i'm gonna go two i'm gonna go three two dortmund gonna zig when everyone's zagging here i think dortmund just keep having these performances in champions league that doesn't make sense so i'm I'm gonna back dortmund here which i'm gonna hate myself once that game actually starts probably porto versus arsenal porto at home at the estadio de Gral, i think is the portuguese translation um who do you think wins here 
Arsenal, but not as easy as everyone thinks. I think Porto will play super defensive behind the ball and, and probably make it a more challenging matchup for Arsenal. But I still think Arsenal have the legs and have the talent. So uh, probably 1-0 Arsenal here. I'm going to go 2-0 Arsenal. Um, that was where I was thinking too, but I like 1-0 instead. 1-0, 2-0. Sergio yeah. Consal is a great coach. They have a, a decent roster over there. I think the, the atmosphere will help Porto here, but I think Arsenal are just flying high right now. So... It's going to be hard not to back them. Um, in the last game for Champions League this week, Napoli host Barcelona. Matazaro on the hot seat, scorching hot. Probably can't even sit down right now versus a Barca team where you never know what you're going to get. 1-1. One, one. I don't think both teams can keep a clean sheet, just having watched both of them defensively, but I still think there's enough talent for at least a goal from each. So, yeah, give me 1-1. One, one. I'm going 2-1 Barca. I'm going to use back my talents there. I think Barca will be able to get it done. Laminia Wall is in frightening form. I don't think Osman plays, which really throws this match for a loop. So I'm going to back Barca here. Now, we do have some Premier League games. So go ahead and predict the city for Sprintford since that title race is wild right now. 4-1 was the result for Liverpool for Sprintford and Thomas Frank's team just feels like they're kind of losing momentum. City need a bounce back. Um, this is a big game in hand. Give me 3-1. Three, 3-1 one. Three, one City. 3-1. I'm going to go 5-1 City. I think they go nuclear against Brentford. Pissed off that they drew Chelsea. They could have done week. it against us, to be honest. So I'm not yeah. surprised. That's a, that's a probably a good choice there. 5-1. 3-1's <laughs> still pretty good, too. 3-1 is good. That's solid. That's solid. Um, in the Europa League, Roma versus Feyenoord at uh, Roma. It's one one tied. It was a pretty good first leg. Do you think the the second leg produces fireworks? No, because it's Roma. They don't want to play with fireworks. Um, other well, than it's not Mourinho. I know. I was gonna say Rossi is playing a little different style, but I still think they advance. Um, probably two one Roma, and they advance on aggregate. Gotcha. Um, and then we have in the Europa Conference League, just wanted to throw one game in there, Bodo Glint versus Ajax. At Bodo Glint, tied 2-2 with like an insane game. Do you think Ajax has enough to, to win this match away? But they've been faltering lately. It's a it's an interesting one. They were down 2-0 two, two um, at home in the first leg of this one. And now they go on the road. No, I think give me Bodo. Uh, just the way that Ajax season has gone, I think this is just a caps just caps it off with the early exit um, that they probably should have advanced on. It's probably good for them, anyways, if they do. I'm going yeah, back to Glint. One one nil. Um, well, if we both pick that, we we have no chance on this one now. So yeah, exactly. And then we do have a MLS game on Wednesday: Miami versus RSL. It Just begins, and so it, it begins. It does. The Messi tour is has been going all summer, or in all winter, I mean, but the Messi tour actually starts now on Wednesday. I think it's a different team than what you've seen in the in the preseason um, with this. I don't know much about RSL. Um, of course, no one knows much about anything in MLS for the first two weeks, really, as a lot of these teams are doing you know, world tours or, or small tournaments like Coachella Invitational out in desert. Um, so just give me, just looking at it on paper, um, uh, give me Miami. But again, this could be anything. Um, I'll take Miami 1-0, uh, but 
give me two or three weeks with each team and we'll find out and we'll have a big game uh, here in Charlotte on Saturday, which hopefully uh, we'll see some of you guys at if you're in the area and we'll have a big um, MLS show kind of setting up the season uh, coming out on Wednesday with one of our good friends uh, from the Charlotte soccer show. So keep an eye out for that probably on YouTube, uh, but we'll have a, a preview for the season on Wednesday night uh, with that, with that uh, co-host uh, and good friend of the show uh, from Charlotte soccer show. So yeah, this is a fun time of year, especially here in Charlotte with, with the boys getting back on the field. And uh, but again, MLS is just such a crap shoot to start with until you see a couple weeks. So give me Miami one nil. Yeah, it's really hard to hand handicap. Probably my best league to bet on for me. I, I absolutely killed it last year, but you got to give it a couple weeks to get the identities down. I'm going to go 2 2 draw here with, with, with a fun one. Now, we do have XI of the week, player of the week, and young player of the week, real quick. I know we're running a little bit late this time, so we'll try to rapidly go through this. These are just the players that stood out either statistically or just their performance was just so good that you couldn't leave them off the X side of the week. So I'm going to go ahead and start with the goalkeepers in defense. We play a 3-4-3. Three, three. All right, so we have Korneseki, the Atalanta goalkeeper. Um, he saved not one but two penalties. It was a retake, so take that as you will, but he still saved both of them. So um, I thought that was pretty impressive, and they kept the clean sheet. Now, uh, for defense, we have Schlotterbeck from Bochum, who scored a, a big goal against um, against Bayern. We have Carlos Augusto uh, from Inter Milan, who you know played absolutely brilliant. And we're gonna go with a vintage name here, Stefan Savic, the 33-year-old for Athletic Madrid. Got the clean sheet. They've been leaky at the back list recently, and I thought he stood out as one that should be on here even though he didn't have any statistics now matt take us take us home with the midfield and forwards yeah midfielders we mentioned on it earlier uh Jao gomez for wolves with two goals in their game uh against spurs diego lorente two goals as well in their win uh frimpong jeremy frimpong for Bayer leverkusen got a goal and then Mikel Mourinho, who got the game winning goal late in the Real Sociedad Mallorca game, I think it was 95th minute uh, or at least 90 plus. So uh, when you get a game winner, you're on the list here as well. Up front, uh, Marmouche, uh, who had one goal and two assists. Ollie Watkins, who's been playing very, very well of late and got two goals as well. And then Daniel's boy, Mo Salah, comes off the bench in the second half and gets a goal and an assist after a, an extended period of time off with an injury. So got to give some flowers to the Liverpool boys. Uh, and, of course, a goal and an assist is a nice way to come back. Now, players of the week. For me, Daniel, I had Bakayo Saka. Um, could have been on this list a lot more throughout the season the way he's been playing. But two goals against Ar for Arsenal uh, in their blowout win and, and just the way he's been playing, I think, this might have been more of a culmination uh, of his form of late for me. But um, yeah, but Kyle Saka has looked very, very good of late and will carry Arsenal really as far as they'll go, in my opinion. For me, it was a new, I think it's a new name, maybe have appeared once, but Jonathan David, the Canadian international, scored a hat trick um, this weekend. So wanted to give him his flowers there. He also could have been a young player of the week for how young he is. And then for young player of the week, I had Adingra. Not only did he win trophies with uh, the Ivory Coast and was probably the best player in the, the entire tournament, but he came comes back to Brighton and bags immediately two goals against a 
awful Sheffield. So I wanted to give his flowers a magnificent talent. And I don't think he's going to be at Brighton for very much longer. Yeah, for me, uh, and apologies now, he probably will start falling off. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland uh, with two goals in their game against Luton. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, eight goals in eight games and has found some form and, and really, you know, stepping it up for Manchester United. So uh, again, Thank you for, for listening in. We know we went a little bit long. There's just a lot to cover right now in the sport, and, and we're trying to do the best that we can to keep you guys abreast of everything that's going on. We may start looking at doing some different segments, especially with the YouTube channel, like we said, and so go check us out over there. We'll have the MLS show probably on Wednesday night for you guys, and like I mentioned earlier a couple times, Daniel has the betting show with, with Harrison there as well. Uh, but with that being said, we always enjoy hearing from you guys. Please follow us on full-time roundup over on x formerly known as twitter interact with us let us know what we missed uh, let us know if there's any storylines that we should be covering that we aren't uh, download like subscribe and leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast um, and of course we will see you on thursday for the next roundup